The Athletic. Total Football Show Europe today. Champions League. Are Bayern beatable? Are Barca back? PSG get Nance and were pants. How Dortmund warmed up for Rangers. All the City out title excitement and the swag of quag. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. All right. Thank you so much for choosing Brand Totally for your European football news. We're recording this late on Monday, the 21st of February, and we've got uh, James Horncastle in the house. Hey, James. Hello. Also with us, Alvaro Romeo. Hello, hello. And freshly back from a week of powder is uh, Julien Laurence. Bonjour, James. It's good to be back. Well, great to have you. Jules, uh, let's see. Oh, have you calmed down from Paris Saint-Germain against Real Madrid? Uh, just about. I mean, you know, PSG got beaten at the weekend on Saturday, so you come they back did. pretty quickly. It's like you and I down the slopes. You know, you, you, end, you end up coming back down pretty quickly. Right, um, right. Because that was, that was... But that's what they do. You know, they lost two games in Ligue 1 this season. Right. One against Rennes away... Uh, four days after beating Man City in the group stage at the Parc des Princes, and one against Nantes away, four days after beating Real Madrid in the Champions League at the Parc des Princes. Right, but the the, the game at the Parc des Princes, which you must have been gutted not to be present for, but we had some French commentators on uh, Thursday's show making quite a lot of noise at Mbappe's goal. Where, yeah. uh, how did you respond to that moment? Yeah, incredible. We were watching um, all together with our friends in in, in the mountains, uh, and then I could not watch at the end, so I was like doing the washing and all sorts. Why couldn't you and watch, just Because it felt like, with all the chances that PSG had missed, it was mm. typically the kind of game where Benzema would score. Benzema was not on the pitch anymore, but I don't know. Some Modric would score. Someone would score in the 92nd minute for Real Madrid, right. and you'd be so gutted and like... You'd be, you know, you'd be really revisiting in your head all the chances missed and the penalty right, and this yeah. and that with a lot of regrets. And then my older son, Raphael, said, no, no, come, come. You're going to be a lucky charm. Come and watch the last five minutes. Oh, bless. So I went. Uh, and then literally two minutes later, Kylian scored an amazing what a, goal. What a goal, Jules. What a goal. True, although if you look at it again, there's not much. He does a step over that is not really a step over because he doesn't go the other side with his left foot uh-huh. and then goes in between the two players and then he, he slots the ball well under under Courtois. Uh, but it's not like if he had to do some amazing skills to go through two or three players. It was actually far easier, I think, than he even thought himself. Right. But still, it's the, it's the moment of the game, the fact that it's him after the game that he had as well. At the Parc des Princes in, in, in the first leg, it was, it was all of that. Jules, when you were washing up, did you break any plates, any glasses? Were you like, particularly like, <laughs> vigorously washing up in no, anger was, until that point? I was, I was more tense than angry, James. Right. Because it's just I felt like PSG were playing so well, helped mm. by the fact that Madrid got the wrong game plan and Carlo Ancelotti did you know, crazy, crazy stuff and messed it up. It was more like... It was more the the frustration more than than any anger, and obviously then the the goal was very liberating. To be fair, I, I can understand the frustration, eh? because uh, PSG could have won it for for a bigger margin. Yeah, they should have. What was the reaction in Spain, Alvaro, to uh, 
Real Madrid's approach, particularly after they saw what Nantes, you know, since then, now seeing what Nantes have done to Paris Saint-Germain? Well, the reaction was, number one, disappointment with Real Madrid because uh, they were fully dominated throughout the game. And then uh, anticipation and expectation for Kylian Mbappé. Many journalists, they've been already saying that Kylian Mbappé is coming to Spain. And on top of that, uh, how many front pages we have seen in Marca, AS, saying Mbappé is ba- uh, will come to Real Madrid for the last three or four years. So I think that when Mbappé scored that goal, uh, we all knew that the front pages of Marca and AES were going to be around the big star. And the truth is that Mbappé just uh, did whatever he wanted in that last action. And he was reminiscent of Ronaldo, the Brazilian, in 96, 97, when he was unstoppable. I have to say, reading the sports papers in Spain must be so boring. They've been writing that story for how how long now? (laughs) Probably since, probably, probably since 2018 or 2019. Okay. And El Chiringuito is constantly talking about that. And uh, it's been tic-tac, so tic-tac, long tic-tac, that if Mbappé doesn't sign for Real Madrid, this is yes. going to be very embarrassing. I kind of hope he doesn't, you know. Jules? They're still hoping they can convince him, um, trying everything they can, building a stronger team even for Wait, next When you season. say trying everything they can, what kind of, th- what kind of thing are they throwing More money. The table? No, Gas, I don't think oil, I mean, just money. It would already be. No, I don't think it's that. I think I think they can they can tell him and promise him that he will earn more in Paris than in Madrid, which I think is mm-hmm. very possible. Mm-hmm. But he would already be the highest paid player at PSG if he stayed and just just one more year. I think it's more. This is the team that we have for you next season uh, with the likes of the new signings that they can. Most uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean Salah, I think would come to replace him more than oh, to play right, with so. him. Yeah, right. yeah. You wait. Um, but but someone like Pogba, you know, I don't know, Rudiger, all the names, Kessier, all the names that they can potentially try to sign to make right. this team better, and say to him, look, we're going to have an even better team next season. We're going to have a real manager next season as well. Not what you're seeing right now on your bench. I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Right. Um, but but you know, Zidane might come. Zidane will come, and and obviously Zidane was a. Was an idol for, for Cristiano MLB growing up. Not so sure about Cristiano, but mm. um, but to be fair, if Kylian said sign Cristiano and I'll stay, they probably would do it. Uh, right. So you end you end up playing with Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, and Mbappe right. somehow. But yeah, that's 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 the idea. I still think it's more likely that he will go to Real Madrid, but until he has signed that paper for either clubs. And until his his parents are still talking to Leonardo and Nasser Al Khalifi and PSG and he, and they still say that he hasn't made his mind up, which is what they're saying now. There's mm-hmm. still, there's always hope, I guess. There's always hope. All right. Well, of course, there's more Champions League coming up uh, this week, and we'll get onto that very very shortly. Uh, but first off, let's get some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Alvaro, what? I wonder, might your moment of the weekend be? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I am going to be so unpredictable. It is the 4 nil that Athletic Club Bilbao uh, inflicted to Real Sociedad. Best ever win against Real Sociedad since 1959 in terms of goal margin. And it was an apotheosis, an apotheosis really, because in 25 minutes, Athletic Club Bilbao scored four goals from the 67th minute until the end. And uh, the truth is that uh, it was very 
very nice to see that, obviously, from uh, an athletic uh, the Bilbao perspective. But also, uh, I would like to say that um, it is always very refreshing and a great message for football to see that um, in a local or regional derby, uh, you see the camaraderie in the stands between the fans. I mean, uh, you can see many athletic club below uh, fans mixed with Real Sociedad fans in the stands. Mm. And yeah, that was nice to see. But then athletic club below got a win that doesn't make it up for... Um, having lost the cup final against them in 2021, but at the same time, it feels very good because if 4-0 against Real Sociedad, uh, I mean, it's as good as it gets, really. Right, doesn't come along very often, as you say. No. James, what was your moment of the weekend? Nero Verdi, siamo, siamo forti, siamo, siamo noi. Il raddoppio del Sassuolo, Scamacca, è saltato di testa sulla pennellata di Raspadori, praticamente solitario. It's got to be Sassuolo, guys. All right, then. They've become only the fourth team uh, yep. in the history of Serie A to win uh, in Turin against Juventus. Uh, win at San Siro against Inter and Milan in the same season. The last team to do Incredible. that was Fiorentina in the 1950s. And Fiorentina went on to win the league. <gasps> but, of course, Sassuolo won't do that. They are not in the most open title race <laughs> right. in Europe's will, top five leagues. Will anyone win the league? I don't know, James. Mm. Uh, I, I'm beginning to be very doubtful uh, that right. Scudetto will be assigned uh, this, this year. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, maybe they'll just keep playing until i don't know that'd be good roll two it? seasons into one let's do it yeah so sassuolo winning but none of the top six uh victorious this weekend so far because one of them will be playing on monday evening that's napoli who are away at uh, bottom three side cagliari uh of course uh cagliari managed by former napoli boss former watford boss former inter boss former pretty much everywhere boss Walter Mazzari <laughs> but you know uh, we'll see what happens in that game Napoli we'll be talking about later on because they've got a huge match on Thursday evening as well Jules though what's your moment of the weekend? It has to be um, Alban Lafont's performance for Nantes against PSG on, on Saturday night uh, he got 10 out of 10 in the L'Equipe ratings only the 13th what? player in history to, to get 10 out of 10 he was that good yeah only, th- only 12 before him got right. 10 out of 10 in how many years? In, well, I think they've done it for 50 years now, the ratings, something like that. Who was the so, last player to get a 10 out of 10 then? I think Kylian Mbappé got 10 out of 10 for oh, his yeah? quadruple against Kazakhstan with France. We've had right. um, two other goalkeepers, one Bruno Martini in the uh, 1988 uh, Euro Under-21 final uh, for France. Uh, there's been Salenko, for example, at the World Cup scoring five goals. Those kind of It's only those kind of moments. Mm. You get 10 out of 10. Maybe it was slightly generous. It could have been nine easily, but 10 because it was just perfect. Apart from the goal he conceded, the rest was, was, was absolutely incredible. I mean, he did save that incredible Neymar penalty as well. So. Et sa blessure à la cheville gauche à Saint-Etienne, la course d'élan de Neymar. L'arrêt toujours comme d'habitude. La frappe est dans qu'est-ce qu'il fait Mais qu'est-ce qu'il fait L'arrêt de la one of the worst penalties you've ever seen but I think he made 10 saves all in all uh, mm-hmm. and some really really good ones much better than the penalty ones but yeah 10 out of 10 is pretty special and he deserves it okay. what did Messi get this time? I think he got uh, four, my friend. Let me double check. Mm. Uh, That's an improvement, isn't it, on on uh, the game against Real Madrid or something? Uh, he, he keep, I think he's averaging like two and a half out of ten this season at, in Le Keep. <laughs> well, 
some top moments there and no doubt more in store this midweek as the Champions League begins again. Let's get on to what awaits Tuesday and Wednesday next. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your four plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, we got Chelsea taking on Lille. That's on Tuesday alongside Villarreal against Juventus. Then on Wednesday, Atletico Madrid take on Manchester United. And Benfica get a visit from Ajax. We all recall what happened last time Ajax visited a Portuguese side. What was it, 6-3 against... No, 6-1 against Sporting? 5-1 against the Sporting. Five, this one, I think. 5-1. Yeah. So there or thereabouts. I say we all remember... Plainly, some of us don't, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's talk about then. Let's begin uh, with the match at the Metropolitano, Atletico Madrid, Alvaro, taking on Manchester United. A lot of people are saying this is the last chance for silverware for either of these sides who are also battling for a Champions League place in their respective leagues. Atletico Madrid, uh, what kind of form are they in as they come into this match? Well, what they did on uh, Saturday was vintage Simeone Atletico, in a way, because they beat Osasuna 3-0 away from home. I think that Osasuna is one of those teams that are very inviting, because away from home they've been fantastic this season, but at home they have been terrible, and their home form is relegation form, basically. But Atletico de Madrid, well, shown more composure than in the previous games after losing to Levante in midweek. By the way, that was very bad, losing to Levante, because Levante... Um, it's the, the last team, the, the last qualified team in La Liga, and Atletico lost at home against them. But against Osasuna, well, uh, you could see that a few things started working for them. Like, for example, uh, the midfield line, I think that uh, with Marcos Llorente in there, being fitter and fitter, well, was always going to get better. I think that uh, Joao Felix scoring is always good news because the Portuguese uh, man, or the Portuguese boy, uh, needs a lot of uh, Confidence back uh, after a couple of uh, sloppy good months. And then Luis Suarez scored uh, also a beautiful goal mm. that probably is giving him a lot of confidence. I, I want to pinpoint the goal of Luis Suarez because it is very remarkable that with two touches, Atletico de Madrid progressed 75 meters. Uh, the pass of Joao Felix pretty much from Atletico de Madrid's box to Luis Suarez. And then Suarez from pretty much the halfway line with the wrong foot, the left foot. Mete el pelotazo largo para Luis Suárez y está habilitado. Luis Suárez lo ve adelantado el arquero Zurdo. Golazo, golazo, golazo. Gol, 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 gol. All in all, it was very important for Atlético to get this win because they also have to qualify for the Champions League of mm. next year. But if Atlético de Madrid has played so badly over the last two months and a good game in the last seven days, well, it is kind of likely to expect that the version of Atletico de Madrid that we will see at Wanda Metropolitano on Tuesday, it is likely to be the bad version. So I want to see how that bad version of Atletico de Madrid or the current version of the team contrasts with this Manchester United that is also a little bit of hit and miss and mm. very leaky defensively. Yeah. Do you think Suarez will start against Manchester United? Well, there is a possibility because uh, Luis Suarez, uh, he always gets the best of the game. I mean, 
I really want to see that, okay? Because I know that Simeone has plenty of attacking talent up front. Correa, the other day, he was on the bench and uh, he scored the third goal, but he, he rested a little bit. So that may be a message that perhaps he will start uh, at Wanda Metropolitano against Manchester United. Mm. Antoine Griezmann uh, is also kind of fit. Uh, I think that he will be in the match day squad. I think that it's unlikely that he will start from the beginning. But yeah, Simeone has plenty of options. But he definitely knows, the Argentinian coach, that uh, Luis Suárez is not only scoring the goals, but also fabricating some goals out of nowhere. Like, for example, in the first goal of Atlético de Madrid against Osasuna, uh, he blocked the goalkeeper in a corner kick, and Joao Félix scored. It was That action was neighboring pretty much the, the fault on the goalkeeper, but it wasn't. Uh, because Luis Suárez knows how to get the best of uh, every attacking action. Mm. Uh, even when he is unfit, even when he is not enjoying his best ever form, he's capable of uh, annoying defenses, he's capable of uh, you know blocking a goalkeeper, and I think that Simeone values that. So I wouldn't be surprised if in a, in a game of this gravity, uh, Luis Suárez starts. Okay, uh, a lot of eyes will be focused on Cristiano Ronaldo with his extraordinary record against Atletico Madrid, his extraordinary record in the Champions League for Manchester United as well. They've scored 11 goals so far. He's got more than half of them against Atletico Madrid. He scored in 35 appearances, 25 goals, including two hat-tricks against the Colchoneros in the Champions League alone. Extraordinary. I'll always stuff. remember after the first leg of that Juventus-Atletico Madrid game where they lost at the Wanda and he walked through the mix zone, yeah, the mix zone. And, just, and just waved his, his, his hand to say five, five Champions Leagues. You guys, yeah. zero. Probably, probably the hat-trick in the second leg. Probably you remember Simeone as well pointing that he is at his oh, balls yeah. in that game. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you look at, look at what happened in the, pointing in the, at in what? the second leg. Pointing at what? did he point at? At his balls. Cojones. Cojones. Ah. Yeah. He yes, was suspended yes. then. His attributes, as they're, they're called. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so, well, crikey, Alvaro, what you're saying is there's no way of knowing which, which Atletico is going to turn up for this. And the same might be said for Manchester United as well. Jules, James, what do you think? I don't think that this Atletico Madrid side can, can cope with whatever intensity United will put. They might not put it for 90 minutes. It might be, it might be a bit disorganised, as we've seen uh, since Rangnick arrived, I, st I just think that it's still too much for for Atleti. I don't think Suarez can start a game like this because they will have to play far too too far away from 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 the United goal. Uh, I, I I just cannot see how United cannot qualify over the two legs. It might be mm -hmm. a draw in Spain first. I still think that this United side, even with all their flaws, are still too good for a very disappointing Atletico Madrid team really this season. Yeah, and there is another thing that probably some of the best wins of Atletico de Madrid in um, over the last 10 years in Europe, uh, they've been based on a great defense. I remember when they beat Liverpool 1-0 at Wanda Metropolitano, and then in the second leg they, they won just before the pandemic and the lockdown started. Also when they got an 0-0 with Chelsea in 2014, and then they went to Stamford Bridge and won there. Well, basically a good defense was the key. To all that. And I cannot see Atletico Madrid, for example, scoring a goal and then keeping that lead. Uh, because if they start defending, uh, they are very leaky in the box and they concede many chances and they are not good at clearing the ball either. So at this stage, there is an unpredictable factor in this game. I'm not saying no to this because Manchester United doesn't give us many assurances. But Atletico de Madrid is rather defensive 
and they are not defending well. So mm. that must give the upper hand in a way to Manchester United because at least Manchester United is an attacking side and they are scoring goals. Yeah, sounds fair. Do you have higher hopes for Villarreal who will be taking on Juventus on Tuesday? Villarreal who've won four of their last five matches who of course put out another Italian side uh, in the group stages at Atalanta. Crikey, Alvaro. Yeah, well, I think that Juventus uh, will play with a makeshift defense for this game uh, because uh, there are many important defenders missing uh, for Juve. Villarreal is a team that uh, right now is in a great run. They are dominating their games. In the weekend, they beat Granada 4-1 with a hat-trick with Danjuma Grunewald, those mm. two players in one. And um, I think that um, the absence of Gerard Moreno is going to be important, of course, because Gerard Moreno hasn't been there for a little while now, but at the same time, Villarreal is learning to play without him. Uh, and the players like Danjuma or Dia or Chukwese um, are stepping up in the absence of Villarreal's best scorer. So I think that this game can be, can be well fought uh, by Villarreal. I believe that they've got a chance. I believe that Unai Emery will probably try to dominate the game, slow down the, po slow down the possession a little bit as well, just to make sure that Juventus doesn't run. And from that point onwards, well, I expect a very tight game. Mm. And uh, I really hope uh, for Villarreal that Dani Parejo doesn't get a yellow card because I think that this game is going to be played in two legs and both legs are going to be so crucial. And uh, I cannot imagine Villarreal just dominating the game in Italy without Danny Parejo. So Danny Parejo will have to tamper down a little bit and make sure he doesn't get the yellow. Wow, James, slowing down Juventus, that's going to be really slow then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, Jimbo. Um, yeah, as, as Alvaro kind of alluded to, Juventus have got some pretty big absences going into this game. Um, it was encouraging, I think, for Juventini to see Bonucci um, back in training this morning. He's expected to play alongside De Ligt, so Alexandro will not be partnering the Dutchman in defence, as was the case uh, against Torino in the Turin derby on Friday. Uh, Dybala also out uh, for 10 days, uh, which is a blow because we're not going to get to see that trident of uh, Vlajevic, Morata and Dybala. So it's going to be interesting to see what configuration uh, Allegri goes with. Does he play Cuadrado instead of Dybala um, just off uh, Vlajevic? It's Vlajevic's debut in the Champions League. You know, as much as he's been talked up as one of the best strikers of his generation with Mbappe and Haaland, those two guys have been playing in the Champions League for the last three or four years, have gone very far in it, have scored lots of goals in it. He's all new to this, so it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts, um, particularly because there's been added scrutiny since he joined Juventus. Um, yeah, he hasn't scored in a couple of games. He was on the front page of one of the newspapers in Italy because he was on a drought, which was uh, long for him, uh, of, a, of a couple of hours. Um, so uh, that's going to be one of the things to follow. And then I suppose... Juventus going to this game okay on the twelve on the back of a twelve match unbeaten run, um, which goes back all the way to November uh, in the league. However, their last two games uh, they have been far from convincing, uh, and that the, the enthusiasm that signing Vlajevic and Zakaria in January uh, has brought I wouldn't say has dissipated completely, but it's clear that um, as Allegri was saying just a few hours ago. Um, that, you know, if you listen to the radio stations or the TV broadcasts, we we had gone from a team that was fighting for fourth to being a team that is fighting for the title. Instead, we are still a team that is fighting for fourth. We're a team that still has some issues. And 
you know, uh, one of the things I'll be following in, t- in tomorrow's game will be, in tonight's game, sorry, uh, will <laughs> be what happens in midfield because Allegri continues to pick Rabiot. I would just, I think against the Spanish team, I don't know why you you wouldn't play Artur alongside Locatelli, you know, with one of Zakaria and McKenny there um, and, and see what happens that way. So as much as Juventus have won another Champions League group and got themselves another favourable draw, uh, very strong memories of Lyon, of Porto, and Villarreal, very much a kind of similar profile team to that. So let's see what happens. Mm, let's. Uh, the other game Tuesday, if you don't fancy seeing what happens in that, is Chelsea against Lille, which Chelsea were pretty happy with when the draw was made. But given how abject Chelsea have been for m- most of their recent matches, whether away in Abu Dhabi against uh, Palmeiras or the weekend at Selhurst Park, could the French champions, Jules, maybe get a result? in this game maybe James I th- we were saying as a joke that Villarreal Juve could be quite slow I think this one would be slow as well you know because really? what Lille have been very good at in the Champions League this season is being solid they've been really well organised really solid uh, in quite an open group with, with Salzburg um, Sevilla and, and, and Wolfsburg uh, and they were they were very good at that they've got a midfield that runs a lot Benjamin André I think he's the third highest in, in ball recovery and kilometres run and things like that and, and Renato Sanchez next to him who is more of the playmaker and they're hoping that he can play tonight and, and I, think, I think this one is maybe not as one-sided as People expect it to be. I still think Chelsea should qualify and will probably qualify. I don't think it would be very pretty unless they score early and then Lille have to come out and obviously open up and get exposed. Mm. I would love to see Atem Benafa for his return to the Champions League do well and do something a bit special that only him really can, can do. Uh, but I think it'd be a good one. I mean, if they can keep Lukaku with only seven touches of the ball like Crystal <laughs> Palace did, then I think Lille are really uh, in for maybe a big surprise. Right, there are one or two other goal scorers, of course, in that Chelsea True. team, not, not least Hakim Ziyech, who's in a great form again. But meanwhile, for Lille, what's happened with Jonathan David and the goals? So he hasn't scored since Christmas. For club. Yeah. yeah for the for club, club, yeah. yeah. Fair yeah. point. With Canada, Fair point. But, mm. but yeah. I think there's a, there's a few reasons. One is that Iconi has left, and I think they had a really strong partnership, and Iconi went to, to Fiorentina. Um, he needs to learn to play with, with Ben Arfa when he's Ben Arfa playing in front with him. When he plays with Burak Yilmaz, Yilmaz has been the shadow of the player that he was last year that combined so well with, with David as well. So I think that's why maybe it's a bit more difficult for him. It's, difficult, it's more difficult for Lille in general, not just for him uh, since the turn of the year. But he knows what a big test this is because there's a lot of big English teams looking, looking at him. And I think a lot of those clubs see those two games against Chelsea as a bit of a, of a test. How, how well he's going to do against their defence. Let's see what, what he's made of when he plays against a team like Chelsea and not just in, in Ligue 1. So what was interesting at the weekend on Friday night, they only drew against Mets nil-nil. There was, you could sense the frustration. And that frustration was actually quite short uh, towards the end of the game when Sylvain Armand, who is the sporting director at Lille, and, and uh, Olivier Letton, the, the president, had an argument with Frédéric Antonetti, the mess, uh, the mess manager on the touchline. He ended up by Antonetti trying to, um, to have a fight with Armand, uh, got sent off. Uh, Antonetti, who is from Corsica, so, oh. um, you know, yeah, has, <laughs> he's really hot-tempered. Streetwise guy. Yeah. Streetwise guy, to say the least. And he said, like, no one comes into my area. This is my area. They had nothing to do there, which he's got a point, to be fair. He's right, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, he was right. Maybe he shouldn't have, um, you know, tried to punch him. More in scenes the face. of violence, though, in French um, stadiums. Maybe. <laughs> True. Although, which is a bit ugly and it's not mm. proven yet, but there was allegations that Armand insulted Antonetti's wife, who died not long ago from cancer, which okay. would be really, really ugly. Because we said no wife, no families, even even more if if you know if the wife passed away. So uh, I hope for Armand he didn't say anything like that. But that was the only good in, good and interesting things in that Lille Mess game was the fight at the end. All right. Crikey. The other game taking place in the Champions League this week, completing the round of 16 first legs, is Benfica against Ajax, which we mentioned before. Ajax, who have continued their remarkable form from earlier this season. Ten wins in a row they've had in all competitions. Fifteen victories in their last 16. Benfica, by contrast, held 2-2 by Boa Vista uh, this weekend in Liga Nosh. All righty. Always nice to see Ajax in action. That's Wednesday from 8 o'clock. Next up, let's move on to one or two of the delights in store in the Europa League. So, Mr. Raniak, what's troubling you? Well, we've got a, a leak in the dressing room, Doctor. Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Europa League Thursday, knockout playoff second legs. Napoli Barcelona, one uh, one from Camp Nou. Looks like a bit of a game that one. Lazio Porto could be interesting too. Sergio Conceição's side two one up from the uh, home leg. Above all, perhaps. Rangers Dortmund as the German Giants try and bounce back from last Thursday's shock result. Joining us on the line from Germany ahead of that now is Christoph Biermann. Christoph, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Rangers are hosting Dortmund on Thursday in the Europa League after their shock 4-2 victory away at the Signal Duna Park last week. Um, did Dortmund get up to much this weekend? Uh, yeah, they they uh, they were um, driving their roller coaster on, uh, defeating uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach six nil. Mats Hummels auf Marco Reus, der ist alleine. Marco, Marco, jawohl! Terrific performance by Marco Reus, who scored two goals and set uh, three goals up, and. Um, Please don't ask me what that means for um, for the second leg between Rangers and, and Borussia, because uh, I think nobody knows. So um, they had last week we were talking about their the very mature performance at uh, Alta Försterei, winning three 0 and mm. then they had this terrible 
match against uh, the Rangers, and now they're coming back with a 6-0 win against Borussia Mönchengladbach, so I'm completely helpless uh, mm. about it, and uh, most people at Borussia Dortmund are as well. One normal day of Borussia Dortmund, that's all I ask, will never happen. Um, so is Erling Haaland going to be back? I see he's, he's in training again. Um, I think that's not sure uh, so far. Um, he, so he wasn't missed on, on, on Sunday. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he was missed in, in, in recent weeks. So um, I, I think that will be decided in, within the next days. Okay. Was there was there much reaction to Dortmund losing four two at home to Rangers last week? Yeah, uh, players were critical about themselves. Um, uh, Mats Hummels, for example, uh, saying that they tend to play much too complicated football. There was this uh, eternal debate about the mentality of the team and 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 so on, but. Uh, but my impression is they are so tired about themselves because, I mean, um, one day you get asked, why did you play so terrible? And next week you will ask, you know, hey, put up a brilliant performance. How could that happen? So it's, right. um, uh, I, I think uh, what Borussia desperately needs is to uh, study things, um, especially in the right direction. Absolutely. All right. Well, <clears throat> we don't know what's going to happen on Thursday, though. We can probably say that it's not over yet this tie, especially with the away goals rule no longer being uh, in, in, in practice. Also this weekend, RB Leipzig scored six goals away at Hertha Berlin, one of their favourite opponents. And Bayern Munich had eventually a 4-1 win against Grutter Furt. But Chris, obviously there's something up at, at Bayern. Last week they lost against Borkham. They then only managed a draw coming from behind in the Champions League last 16 at Red Bull Salzburg. And then this weekend at home to the bottom club in the league, they went behind again. Uh, it's it's difficult to say because in the end, uh, when you when you put the ninety minutes together against Fürth, it was a a decent performance uh, with a sleepy first half. And uh, I, I wouldn't see so much a trend if you could combine these uh, three games, but um, obviously they have some problems, um, especially in their defense. I mean, they're very good in defending high up and far away from their own uh, goal. So as we had seen it already with uh, when Hansi Flick was in charge, they didn't give um, their opponents uh, too much opportunities to even come close to their goal. But if they, they are not very good in, in, in defending there. And I think um, this might be a big problem uh, with the uh, Champions League progressing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still convinced that they uh, will get over uh, Salzburg into the next round. But uh, if they meet bigger opponents, that might be the biggest problem. Right, the Achilles heel. OK, uh, Robert Lewandowski, meantime, with a brace in this game. He's now up to 28 goals for this season. Another extraordinary campaign. Yeah, um, maybe he's, he's, he's breaking his, his own record that um, nobody thought could ever be matched, the, the one uh, that Gerd Müller had previously. And uh, he is uh, still an absolute sensation. Mm.
All right. Uh, Christoph, is there something else that we should know about the Bundesliga? Did you want to talk about the relegation battle? Yeah, um, the relegation battle. I mean, the um, you already mentioned um, Leipzig winning 6-1 at Hertha. And uh, Hertha, so, so if, if we look, maybe we look at two teams. Um, so we are now a, a sixth game into the uh, second part of the season and uh, the Rückrunde, as we call it in Germany. And there are two teams that uh, got only two points out of these uh, six games, and that is Hertha. I mean, they were uh, they were massively unlucky uh, because they had eight players out with uh, COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, they played okay, and they were one-one an hour or so in, into the match, and then one of the players, Kempf, was sent off, and uh, rightly so, and uh, Leipzig got a penalty. And uh, then it was uh, downhill from there, uh, 1-2 and uh, finally 1-6. And the other team that has um, only two points from the uh, second part of the season is Stuttgart. And um, they were also unlucky because um, uh, they were 1-0 up against Bochum until the 94th minute um, and then they produced a penalty and uh, Bochum could equalize. And also, uh, they are plagued massively all over the season by injuries and one of the players that was out um, for a long time, Silas, the Congolese striker, he will be out for the rest of, of the season because of a shoulder injury. They are still waiting for Sasha Kalajic, their best goal scorer, who also missed most of the season. And um, he, he was back on the bench. Probably we'll see him in the weeks to come. But the situation is, is very complicated for Stuttgart now. Also be, because... Um, I think they they were not at all prepared to um, end up uh, in the in the relegation uh, fight this season. They looked like this nice team with young prospects, good players, and so on. Um, Sven Wisslintat, who um, formerly worked at Arsenal, does a very good job in in finding talented players and so on. But now. Uh, the situation is is really uh, really tough uh, for Stuttgart. So, and there are two teams they that refuse to um, play the role that everybody uh, was expecting them to play. One is Bochum, the other one is Bielefeld, who were candidates for for relegation for the start of the season. And they both don't look safe now, but they look much better than expected and have much more points than expected. So. Yeah, it, it it looks tough for um, Hertha and Stuttgart and probably also for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Wow, OK. Stuttgart are currently three points away from the playoff uh, place and four from safety. Hertha, one point above Augsburg, who are in the playoff position. Mönchengladbach, not that far away uh, themselves, as you mentioned. They're only four points above the playoff spot. Borkum, meantime, sitting above the likes of Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg. What a magnificent campaign. Christoph, look forward to hearing more tales from the Bundesliga and beyond very, very soon. But thank you so much for today. Thank you. Christoph Biermann. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens at Ibrox as uh, Borussia Dortmund turn up, which Borussia Dortmund, etc. Also, uh, we'll be seeing the second leg of RB Leipzig's uh, tie with Real Sociedad. 
Real Sociedad, who have been badly beaten by Alvaro Romeo's Basque buddies, uh, Athletic. But 2-2 two, <laughs> two from brothers. the first leg. Basque brothers. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so many interesting ties on Thursday. And, of course, I hardly need to point out, you can keep across of all the stories as they develop on the marathon mega goal show that we do, which covers both the early kickoffs and the late ones. Four and a half hours, but it, it really flies by, I've I got to say. Anyway, buried in there, probably quite prominently featuring, actually, will be the second leg between Napoli and Barcelona. 1-1. The first leg finished at the Camp No. Now, this weekend, we don't know what Napoli have done yet because they play Monday evening. Barcelona, on the other hand, we do know what they did. They went to Valencia in a bit of a derby and beat them 4-1. Ay, 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 Alvaro, are Barcelona back? Early to say. Uh, there are glimpses of uh, improvement everywhere. Mm, I would say that in midfield, definitely, with Pedri being back uh, up front, because on the 2nd of January, Barcelona started the game with uh, Jutgla, Ilias and Luc de Jong and against Valencia, they started the game with Ferran Torres, Aubameyang and Dembélé. There is an improvement in there that's unquestionable. And uh, I think that the only problem with Barcelona right now, well, the only problem, is a big problem, is that they cannot do 90 convincing minutes. And this is something that may cost them against Napoli. Because against Napoli, I think Barcelona did a, a good game. I would rate them like a 7 out of 10 game. I mean, in the sense that they were just proposing, they were propositive, they had the ball, they tried to create chances, they create many in the second half, but then um, as soon as Napoli just uh, pushed a little bit and as soon as Napoli put the fourth or the fifth gear, uh, they managed to score. And I think that uh, the problem with Barcelona is that they are not able to compete for 90 minutes. And Napoli has shown that uh, they are very physical. They are the best defense in Italy, obviously. And uh, Barcelona, even with their best game, in some moments of the game, they didn't have enough to beat them. But I think that this game is going to be different. This game is going to be really entertaining because Barcelona, when they have a good uh, time, like for example against Valencia in the first half the other day, they are capable of uh, now scoring something that they didn't do back in January, mm. back in December, because they've got players who actually know how to do that. And Aubameyang, who scored a hat-trick the other day against Valencia, even though one of the goals he didn't want to score it, Pedri's goal. Aubameyang, I think that he encapsulates all this. He's a player that basically when he has a goal chance, he scores it. And Barcelona has been playing the whole season with the strikers who were not qualified uh, to score goals, with the strikers who didn't have uh, behind them a history of scoring goals day in, day out. So yes, I think that this is going to be fascinating because now Barcelona at least has firepower up front and then players like Pedri are back and really, they are playing really well. Xavi was tremendously complimentary with Pedri after the game against Valencia. Yeah. Surely the best in the world in his position, he said. And a player in capital letters. Crikey. Well, James, what's your take on Thursday's rematch? Well, for all that, Barcelona have now got players who know how to score goals. Uh, they did play one who didn't seem like he knew how to score goals uh, at the Camp which was Ferran Torres, who alone had a higher XG uh, than Napoli did. Had he taken a couple of chances um, that were presented to him, he could have had a hat-trick. Instead, he only scored a penalty kick. Um, so if Barcelona go out of this um, competition, competition that I think they've declared they want to win, I think they will look back at the first leg with regrets because they certainly dominated the game enough to win it. Spalletti afterwards was complimenting Kalidou Kalubali, who he... I would say he compliments every 30 minutes, uh, generally. 
Um, he likes to make points using Koulibaly. For example, best player I've ever coached. Not Totti, Koulibaly. Um, and after that game, he said, oh, I've run out of adjectives to describe him. But if, if I was to choose one, I would go with Spaventoso. Just Scary. frightening his performance. Right. Scary performance against, against Barcelona. Um, but if they are to win uh, this game and qualify, then I think they, they have to play like they did in the first half. They have to play their own football, which is something that they declared that they were going to do at the Camp Nou and, and didn't, in my opinion. Um, they didn't play the kind of slick passing football that we've come to associate with Napoli, not only under Spalletti, but under Gattuso, under Sarri, under Ancelotti. And, you know, you, you wonder how much of an impact the crowd will have at the Diego Armando Maradona. Um, with restrictions beginning to be be lifted, but conversely, you also wonder how much this title race is is, is going to bear on their minds as well, because Napoli very much in it, and uh, what could be joint top of Serie A going into into this game. And, and Barca, apart from the win of Valencia this weekend, they're not they're not very good away from home. I mean, they drew to Espanyol, they they lost to San Mamés, of course, in the in the cup. I think they, 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 they drew a Granada, something like that. They won against uh, one of the team when Frankie de Jong scored really late, but they were not good. So it's certainly not the same team away from home than they are at, mm. at the company, which I think will give some hope to Napoli too. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the reasons uh, to explain that is that uh, they haven't been able to repeat a lineup this season. And then uh, there are many new players, young players, who obviously are not going to be good for 90 minutes. And uh, I think that this is something that uh, is costing Barcelona a little bit. Uh, dips in their attention, in their form. Then the defense is no solid if uh, Araujo and Piqué are not playing, the rest of the defenders, uh, the rest of the centre-backs, don't offer any robustness. And I think that everyone knows about that. And Ter Stegen is not the goalkeeper that he was two seasons ago. He's making mistakes. But very quickly on Ferran Torres, I think that this guy has a price tag on top of his shoulder. Uh, I think that Barcelona doesn't have a lot of money, but somehow they managed to find 55 million euro, and they went for Ferran Torres. Ferran knows that, you know, this was the marquee signing that Barcelona did, and probably the marquee signing for the next 18 months. And probably he's feeling a bit of that pressure as well. And they paid some money for him, some money that you will pay for a recognizable scorer. And Ferran Torres, he has a good rating with the Spanish national team when it comes to scoring, but at the same time, he is not a great scorer. In my opinion, he gets very well to score in positions. But then when he gets the chance, then he controls the ball or he miscontrols it, he touches it too many times before shooting, and we saw that against Napoli as well. He will have to polish these things. So, you know, I'm putting a question tag on top of Ferran Torres because I think that he's not that player yet. And Barcelona mm. played for Ferran Torres, the price that you will pay for a big star. Right, he is the magic beans that they sold the cow for, in a, in a sense. <laughs> Crikey. Uh, will he grow into a giant beanstalk? Perhaps on Thursday. Uh, let's see. Uh, but on the subject of the Europa League, have to mention the Sevillan sides, no? Uh, the final is in Seville at the sanchez Pijuan on the 18th of May. Both Sevillan sides still in the hunt to be there. Betis, who had the win away at uh, Zenit St. Petersburg, 3-2. Uh, Sevilla, who beat uh, Dinamo Zagreb at home, 3-1. Drawing this weekend against uh, Espanyol. Uh, so uh, Real Madrid have extended their lead at the top of La Liga, but just remarkable times for Sevillan football. 
Yeah, and I think that Sevilla could have beaten Spanish had uh, Kunde stayed on the pitch. But he was sent off for a ridiculous decision of the referee. Puado was uh, holding uh, Kunde and didn't let the Frenchman run. And Kunde at the end just, uh, just kind of moved his arms just to get rid of uh, Puado, who was tackling him. And, um, and he was sent off for that. And he didn't even uh, hit badly uh, the Spanish player. But I think that Sevilla, yeah, probably they will lament not having beaten Spanish in the weekend. It's a good time for Sevilla football. You are right. They are playing the Sevilla Derby next week. Mm. Uh, it's a real shame that Martial, Ocampos, Kunde won't be playing that game because I think that they would make a difference for Sevilla. But yes, Sevilla in their own way, uh, they are a little bit speculative. They calculate a lot what they do, what they don't do, how much they attack, how much they don't want to attack. And that is enough for them to be second in the league and, you know, the, to, to believe that they can go far in the Europa League. But Betis is different. Betis is about... Uh, how do you say, profligacy up front. They mm -hmm. just enjoy what they are doing up front. They go for it and they are scoring many goals. And I think that, yes, probably they are one of the freshest and nicest news of Spanish football in the last couple of years. All right, that's Seville Derby coming up this Sunday afternoon, 3.15 UK time at the sanchez Pijuan. Remarkable. Before that, of course, as we mentioned, both teams in action in the Europa League Thursday night. Betis at home this time to Zenit and Sevilla away in Croatia. And that's coming up on Thursday night, as well as the Conference League knockout playoff second legs. And if you don't think you're interested in those, well, there's Bodo Glimt against Celtic. Bodo Glimt, who managed to get a 3-1 win in Glasgow last week. Can Celtic come back? You can find out that and all the other Conference League stories as part of that same goal show I was mentioning before. Brilliant. Jules, you're back on that this week, aren't you? I am indeed looking forward to it. I think Celtic or oh, Bodo Glim Celtic is one of my games as well. Is it? Wow. Yes. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, very shortly, we'll wrap up today's Tony Football Show Europe with a quick word for the loveliness of Real Madrid's goals this weekend and also what is going on in Serie A. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. 
And that'll be good news for Antonio Conte when he finally realises he's the manager at Tottenham Hotspur and they don't ever win titles. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Se la va Messi, Messi dentro del área. Busca Asensio. Descarga Vinicius. Gol, 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 gol. Y gol del Madrid. Real Madrid, 3-0 winners against Alaves. And, oh, beautiful goals. Alvaro, Asensio. But then also the, the, the interplay between Asensio and that uh, Vinny Jr. fellow and Benzema, Jules' friend. Just lovely. Lovely. If you like quality football, you have to watch the second goal of mm. uh, Real Madrid because it was really, really, really nice. The weapon Zema started everything. Uh, that stands out for me uh, with the back heel touch and then, uh, you know, the action continued inside the box and uh, Vinicius scored. Asensio scored a beautiful goal as well. Mm. Uh, Arjen Robenesque, if I may. Mm. Uh, and after making a big mistake in the game because uh, he gave a back pass to to Thibaut Courtois two minutes before he scored the beautiful goal and Alaves almost scored because the pass uh, came short and uh, you know an Alaves player had a one-on-one -on -one with Courtois he missed but yeah a good victory for Real Madrid 3-0 for them lovely goals and I found it meaningful that Ancelotti made only one change to the team that lost in Paris cross for Valverde meaningful because Ancelotti may well be saying that uh, he only trusts completely these players or Meaningful because he may be playing the diplomat role that he does so well, uh, telling his players, the ones who lost in Paris, okay, come mm. out there and redeem yourselves. They did against Deportivo Alaves. All right, let's talk about Serie A then. As mentioned earlier on, listener, none of the top six have actually managed to win this weekend, but that could change if Napoli get the victory away in Sardinia against Cagliari. Uh, running through the results, Milan, who the previous week had just gone top, went to bottom of the table Salerno and faced Salernitana and promptly drew a 2-2. Quite the upset this, James. It was because they got in front um, and they allowed Salernitana back in the game with mistakes. And I think Salernitana do deserve some credit. They had a new manager bounce. David Nicola has come in. Nicola is a great escape artist uh, with uh, Crotone and Geno and Torino uh, and look I mean it will be difficult for him to repeat what he did Crotone a few years ago but this is uh, a step in the right direction mm. yeah you made the point on Sunday that the situation when he came in at Crotone was actually worse than it is currently in at Salernitana so yeah far more desperate in Crotone James because um Cotone weren't able to attract any new players in the January that he was there. Uh, whereas you contrast that situation at Salernitana. Salernitana did uh, manage to at least stay in the league <laughs> at the beginning of the new year uh, when they were uh, at risk of being thrown out. Had a new owner, brought in a new sporting director and in, an entire new team. And mm. uh, yeah, Nicola did manage to kind of find a way of playing Frank Ribéry and two strikers. So he was very kind of brave in his approach against Milan and ultimately they got their reward but Milan again dropping points against teams they should beat they lost to Spezia okay that wasn't entirely their own fault uh, given the referee mistake in stoppage time and Spezia going up the other end and scoring um, but you know it's performances like that one that is, is maybe holding them back and I would say why it's you know a reason not to believe in them winning the league title but as the front page of Gazetta said today this is the craziest Scudetto in the world 
Mm. So who knows yeah. who might win it? Well, indeed, because that, that left Inter with an opportunity to retake top spot in Syria, but then they went one better and lost at home to Sassuolo. Their second straight 2-0 defeat at San Siro, following on from Liverpool's victory there in the, the Champions League. They've now actually only won one game in the last five in all competitions. It's a, a bit of a slump they're in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the actual fixtures, um, it's it's been a tour de force for them. Uh, Liverpool, um, Atalanta, Napoli. Um, so, you know, those are all tough games. Um, it would be very impressive if they'd come through all of those and, and, had, and kept a winning streak going. Um, but uh, if you look at their record in big games, it has been a case of them dominating, being authoritative and not taking their chances and losing. This was different. This was them uh, being tired uh, after, uh, after playing Liverpool and matching Liverpool for 70 minutes uh, in midweek. Brozovic being suspended and Brozovic being the one player, I think, who they absolutely cannot do without because he runs games for them. And Sassuolo just being very daring, uh, young, carefree, uh, got talented players up front, Scamacca, Raspadori, and even their less young players, if that makes sense, uh, Domenico Berardi. Berardi keeps having an absolutely astonishing season, which, you know, maybe because he's not called Federico Chiesa, maybe because uh, he's no longer between the ages of 18 and 21 and maybe because uh, he's been at Sassuolo for all of his career. Yeah, people lose sight of what a good player he is. I mean, he's the only player in Europe's top five leagues in double figures for goals and assists this season. So played a big part in their win. And uh, and yeah, at the same time, it's kind of bizarre, Sassuolo. They can go away and beat the top sides, but then you know lose 4-0 to relegation threat and Sampdoria and are in the bottom half of the table. So let's see if they can find a bit of consistency. Because in the summer, I think it'll be very difficult for them to hold on to their front three of, of Raspadori, Scamacca and Berardi. Mm, indeed. Uh, the other uh, top six sides who weren't winning this weekend, Atlanta, who lost away at Fiorentina. Fiorentina, who's the, the signing they made to uh, replace Dusan Vlajevic, Christoph Piontek, has uh, been doing brilliantly. Uh, rather better than Vlajevic has been since the move. But of course, early days. Anyway, Fiorentina closing in now. On the top four, also not victorious this week. As you mentioned, James, in, on Friday was uh, yeah, where Juventus in the Turin derby, Delict opening the scoring there, before Balotti uh, answered. Elsewhere, Roma had a 2-2 draw at home to Verona, had to come from 2-0 down for that. And Jose Mourinho got a red card. And also a mention for Sampdoria, who had a, a massive win because they're struggling, as you say, down the bottom end of the table. They had a massive win against Empoli. 2-0 and both goals scored by the man, the legend, Fabio Quagliarella. We should we should mention as well why Mourinho got sent off, right? Why was he sent off, Jules? Because he made the uh, the phone sign to the referee. What did he mean father, by that? Yeah, right, His father was a referee himself. Yes. Very much involved, I believe, in Calciopoli because at the time he was yeah. the man choosing the referees and was very close to Luciano Disegnatore, yes, indeed. Which is a bit, it's a bit, it's not very nice, I think, from Mourinho. I can understand the frustration. You've got two kids born in 02 and 03 saving your skin again. Yes. And to do that at the end of a game like that, I thought was very poor from him. Right. The referee didn't appreciate it either and, and, and sent him off. Yes, uh, this refers to the the background of the Calciopoli 
affair when Luciano Moggi, the director general at Juve, had a number of mobile phones that he would call up, uh, Pareto Senior and uh, various, and pretty much everybody from journalists to agents to everybody and say, here's what I think could be a good idea for you to do. I think the indictment, though, on Mourinho here is that Roma are doing so bad that even if there was a a cupola and that sort of thing, they would not give a toss about what Roma are doing right now. Roma are not a threat to Juventus or to the top four. Um, And, you know, as as we've seen, the two kids who come on and save the day probably spent the week being coached by Alberto De Rossi rather than Mm. being coached by Joseph Mourinho. So, you know... uh, but the, the the incredible thing is 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 like I mean there was a banner outside Trigoria today, which was Jose, you have the keys to the city. You know, it doesn't matter that the team's nine points worse off than they were last year, that they're eighth, um, that you know they risk being caught by Verona and Torino. It's you know it, 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 it's we're all in on, on on Jose. That's very much the attitude of the Roma fan base. So it's it's uh, it's a remarkable study in psychology. What's mm. going on in? In Rome. Well, they're the people he loves, James. He fights for them. As Jose, who didn't uh, talk to the press after a Sunday's game, posted on his social media. He had a picture of the fans. He said, I fight for them. So God bless you, Jose. Uh, but also God bless uh, Fabio Quarellella, the man, the legend, etc. Uh, scoring that brace. One of them was a bit special as well. Ball comes in, he kind of flips it up and then lashes it in on the half volley. And that's now 18 consecutive years of scoring in Serie A. He's 39, still doing it. Also, passing a bit of a milestone with goals for Sampdoria, James. Yeah, 100 in Serie A. Um, and there's only one player who's got more than him. I think it's 132. Uh, and that is, of course, Bobby Gold himself, Roberto Mancini. Woof. He's, Qualiarella, is he your, your favourite player of the last two decades in Serie A? You know, if you had to kind of... No. What? You want the vid, yes. You want the vid, yes. No. But I love Quagliarella, but yeah. favourite player. But no. Come no. on. No. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the in the same Cruz. bracket, in the same bracket, you got yeah. Toto, Toto Di Natale. Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love him. But... I mean, there's Totti. Okay, put it this way. I'm going to show you a goals compile from YouTube with the music uh, silenced. Uh, and I can, you can have a, a goals, uh, you can have a, a best of goals compilation for Di Natale or even Totti, you know, or indeed any any player from City from the last two decades. Who would you pick? I'm going Quagliarella, and I'm sure you yeah. are too. Well, I mean, if that's the criteria, yes, in terms of <laughs> in terms of goals scored highlights reel, yes, then uh, then I can see why you're doing that. Right, um, but in terms of emotions that you know players made me feel or something like that it's, okay it's, who's that then eh, i mean it's Put it's true. i mean for me for me i think it's it's probably daniele de rossi for Ooh. different reasons okay uh, so. his career path was amazing going to boca as well yeah i think mm. that, yeah. Uh, doesn't he have like a, a tough personal story because uh, he was chased by mafia am well. i right with that it, over to you, yeah, James, with the story of the postman. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, yeah, it's. There is actually. Yeah, he was stalked. Yeah, yeah if, if, if you're someone. interested in that story, there is a, there is an a, an episode of um, Golazzo all about it, I think. 
Who was the? Who was it? We discovered was it Zola who we discovered at Parma? It was almost kidnapped by the mafia, but they but they ended up following the wrong car at the petrol station or something bizarre like that. He pulls in for gas and they they end up following the wrong car. It was a truly yeah. weird story. Another anyway. reason to go through the Golazzo yes. back catalogue and then ask us on Twitter to record more of them. Well, um, yeah, so now yeah. moves are afoot to make more uh, Golazzos. Uh, we're just trying ah. to tie down some dates, I think. Anyway, uh, we've got off uh, our subject a little bit here, but um, but yeah, Qualiarella still doing it, still, uh, and that I think is where we come to the end of today's Totally Football Show. If you're not familiar with the f- the Quag, uh, go and check out some uh, highlights on YouTube. You won't regret it. <laughs> Just let go. Best, best player yeah. the last best twenty years ever. in Serie A. He's not the best ever. player ever, but if you like. <laughs> Just stupid goals. Yeah, no, you've no, got to. It's this, on this criteria, it's it's a very strong case. It's a very the longevity. Case. The longevity is incredible. Yeah, really. yeah. and the so, the business with the postman as well. That, yeah, you know, yeah, that wasn't easy to come back from. Anyway, I've been rambling on too long. Listener, you got things to do, as have Alvaro, Jules, and James, and most especially producer Charlie. So we'll wrap this one up here. We'll be back next week with more continental stories. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.